G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on Friday evening. Hope you are geared up for a fantastic weekend, the last weekend of AFL footy for 10 teams and we are on the precipice of the AFL finals. So of course that means that AFL fantasy coaches are gearing up for their grand final weekend. So it'd be rude for me not to talk through my trade ideas and a couple of things that happened when the teams were announced on Thursday. Sunday squads just got confirmed as well. So there's a couple of things worth touching on. I want to briefly talk about Clarko going to North as well. The Roos finally got their man and I think that the dominoes that will fall due to Alastair Clarkson being hired by the Kangaroos will all be positive. Uh, Deshaun Watson gets a mention. Unfortunately, we have to keep talking about that bloke and his off-field uh, misdiscretions. And then a couple of other things to end the pod. More umpires potentially in footy. Carolyn Wilson teased that earlier this week. And another article that I got in the works talking about some of the best NBA players on the planet. So here we go. Let's gear up for another Rip Up Friday episode. Let's start with the elephant in the room. Let's talk Alastair Clarkson going back to North Melbourne. I know that Kangaroos fans were nervous this week after all this Essendon shit came out. And God, you do want to spare a thought for the Bombers. I don't know where they go from this direction. Do they, can they keep Ben Rutten? Do they, can they go after James Hurd? That remains to be seen. But now we know Alastair Clarkson will be at North potentially for the next five years. He signed a deal through to the end of the 2027 season. And there's been a lot talked about how he's returning home. If those people uh, did not understand during his AFL playing career, he spent nine years at North, only managed 93 games in that time. And it's not always that the best players go on to be fantastic coaches. Sometimes blokes like Clarko, who don't really make too many waves as a player, go on to be elite coaches. And I think getting him in the door it's a fantastic thing for Arden Street. This will probably end all the Tasmania transfer talk. I am going to do an article next week talking about how Clarko can fix North Melbourne in a couple of simple steps. But one of those steps we'll look at obviously bolstering the playing list. And I'll be intrigued to see over the off season, just which players do now that Clarko's there, put their hand up and say, yep, I want to go to North. He does have that kind of pulling power. He's not going to turn them around and have them playing finals next year. And he may not even win a flag with the ruse, but he does make them a bit relevant and there will be certainly AFL players lining up to go and join Clarko's brigade. Can he potentially pry some of the former Hawks or the guys he used to coach who are still technically current Hawks over to the dark side, someone like Jack Gunston, could he slot into that forward line and perform a second, third fiddle role near the likes of uh, Nick Larkey? That's the main forward that I was thinking of. Obviously there's a couple of other young talents on their roster that they want to promote, but Maybe they get someone like Brad Hill to marshal the back line. It doesn't seem like Aaron Hall's going to be around for long. Uh, big boy McAvoy, he's set to retire after this weekend's game. Maybe he joins the coaching panel. So it's not just an on-field thing with Clarko getting through the door. They should potentially entice extra coaches and other pieces of the puzzle that will make them a better football club on and off the field. So exciting times for North fans. Gear up. Clarko is yours. Turning my attention to fantasy and the team selections from Thursday night, they didn't reveal a ton, let's be honest. There's a couple of things that were relevant that I'm going to talk about, but 
It's kind of cool to see that Dan Hanabry and Michael Hurley are going to be in for one last time, especially Dan Hanabry playing against his former side in Sydney. People who are, you know, probably a bit younger don't realize how dominant he was as a swan. Dan Hanabry has had series of injury issues that have plagued the last half a dozen or so years, but glad to see that he gets a farewell game. Similar with Robbie Gray, who JLo and I discussed at length on uh, Wednesday's podcast, where he sits in the Port Adelaide uh, Hall of Fame, I guess you could say. As I teased, Ben McAvoy's playing his last game as well. So there's a couple of stalwarts of certain clubs that will be able to celebrate and cheer off after this weekend. But there is plenty of fantasy ramifications as well. Aaron Hall being omitted may mean that he's not there next year. Probably not, which is a bummer because I don't know why. I really like the bloke and he's a great fantasy player but he just can't string games together, at least at North Melbourne. Maybe he goes to, oh, I'm spitballing here. Hey, maybe he's in that Bradley Hill trade and he goes to St Kilda and he can become a bit of a rebounding plus six machine. But that remains to be seen. He's definitely not playing this weekend though at this rate. And there's a couple of ruck dominoes that may be uh, worth talking about after the teams as well. So Lloyd Meek came into Fremantle's side. So I'm a little bit worried for those Sean Darcy owners, myself included. It's too late in the season for me to do anything about it, but you may want to potentially offload Darcy. I don't think he'll be scoring much more than a 82. Let's put the over under at, and I reckon he'll probably be close to hitting that benchmark, but probably go under. Uh, so obviously Lloyd Meek and Darcy will split a bit of the ruck duties. Does seem like Tom Campbell is going to do that with Rowan Marshall as well, which may have some coaches alarmed because he uh, was leaked today. In a team meeting, Tom Campbell was listed to start on the ball. So Max King's wayward boot may see Rowan Marshall spend a bit more time forward. I'm not too worried with regards to Rowan Marshall, though. I think that he can he can be okay. He'll probably still get close to your 110, 115 mark, but a 130 plus probably isn't on the cards with Campbell in the side. Great news for Tim English owners, though. Stefan Martin was omitted from their side to take on the Bulldogs, which means that big Timmy English, May have Josh Bruce backing him up a bit here and there, but he'll be able to shoulder most of the ruck load. So his form hasn't been elite lately. So hopefully he can go out the fantasy or end the fantasy season with a bang. Quickly on my moves, I've got Aaron Hall, so I've got to ditch him. And I think Jack Crisp has done enough to wield the, for me to wield the axe and chop him out. I've toyed a lot with moves. I was looking at the Blixarves uh Paddy Cripps combo. I was looking at potentially getting in Ollie Wines and Darcy Parrish because I can do a bit of DPP action. I did also look at a couple of other players, maybe getting a Clayton Oliver and then going really cheap or rolling the dice with someone like Tom Lynch and hoping he kicks a bag. But I think I've settled. I'm happy. I'm going Ollie Wines, who I think is going to be really big in the showdown, their last game of the season. And it's been in the media how much he uh, dislikes Adelaide. So he'd better back it up on the footy field. And my second trade, I'm going for a unique, a much-loved player on this podcast, Shannon Bunger-Hearn. I've been having a little bit of a look at the numbers that Geelong's given up to Backman. Last week, they gave a 130 up to Brandon Ellis. The week before that, St. Kilda got a ton from Bradley Heal. So, you know, I don't know if that will transpire to a huge score from Hearn, but I think the ball's going to be in West Coast's back line a lot of this contest. They're going to need that drive from Shannon Hearn, one of their serious leaders when they go down to GMHBA Stadium. And it will probably be a bit of bruise-free footy. So I'm hoping that Hearn can just chip the ball around, take a lot of kickouts. Geelong can pepper the board and get a lot of points. So Hearn and Wines are my trade-ins for Hall and Crisp. And I think I'm going to back in Tuke Miller, not as my captain, but as my VC. 
And then that'll give me an option of either going a straight bat and captaining Rory Laird on Saturday night, or maybe just maybe I'll get a little bit fancy and roll it on the crisp or uh, I don't know, probably not Tim English, but maybe someone from the Bulldogs lineup in the form of Bailey Smith, Josh Dunkley. I got options. So that's how the large fries and coke are ending the season. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad I finally reached the end of 2022. It's been a tough season from fantasy from my perspective, but a lot of lessons have been learned. Rightio, third item of business. I'm not going to talk too long about this, but I want to touch on Deshaun Watson. I promise this will be the last time I talk about this bloke this preseason because he's taken up way too much of your and my time. But I don't think I like Deshaun Watson as much as I used to. He's a fantastic quarterback. There's no denying that. But he's now been handed an 11-game suspension without pay for accusations by more than two dozen women of sexual misconduct. And the longer this has gone on, the less and less respect I've got for Deshaun Watson. So he hasn't really accepted full responsibility. Originally, he was handed a six-week ban. Then the league was going to challenge it and said they wanted him to be banned for at least a year or the 17 games. And they've kind of met in the middle. He has to go through all these other evaluations and behavioral things and pay $5 million in fine. But just the way that this whole situation is handled and how he has handled it himself has really made me lose a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson. So originally he was saying he was apologetic. He understood he'd made the wrong decision or done the wrong things, blah, 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 blah. But today while he was being interviewed or overnight, I should say technically for us Australians, he was talking about how he maintains his innocence and he did nothing wrong. And he accepted this punishment to satisfy the people he hurt in the process. And those who were quote triggered, I got news for you, Deshaun Watson. If there's nearly 30 women who are claiming sexual assault of some form, you best believe people are going to be fucking triggered. So again, I've lost a little bit of respect for him. He will miss 11 games for the Cleveland Browns. And by the time he returns, he might be able to help them salvage something for their season. His week 13 return comes against his old side, the Houston Texans. And I don't think they're going to be very kind to him. So he'll cop a lot of abuse when he goes onto the field for the rest of his career, probably. And after the way that he's handled the last month or couple of months in these case proceedings, I think he deserves it. Fourth topic, let's address Carolyn Wilson's story of more umpires in footy. So she claims that starting next season, there's going to be four umpires on the field. The umpire list is going to grow from 34 to 42. And there's going to be a little bit of a bump in their pay as well, which Roughly 80% of umpires are thrilled by, and they're stoked to have more people on the list. Part of the reason is so that they can not have as much physical demand on them and they can stretch themselves, uh, not stretch themselves as thin. But in the end, I think if you believe what Caro is saying in the following seasons, they possibly want the number of on-field umpires to grow from three to four to potentially all the way up to six. And I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea of having more umpires on the field. Granted, they're humans. They're going to make errors but it may cut out a couple of miscues along the way. So watch this space. I'll be interested to see if they do use four umpires. Maybe they'll trial four to six in the preseason. Maybe it'll be like that as soon as the 2023 season starts. But I don't hate the idea of having more umpires on the field. It may, like I said, cut out a couple of the mistakes and things that happen. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see what it looks like. Last thing on the agenda. I want to talk about an article that I'm hitting go on tomorrow morning, which looks at Team USA versus the rest of the world from an NBA basketball standpoint. So Eurobasket competition kicks off almost exactly two weeks from now, the start of September. And I've had a lot of a look at the rosters and seen the NBA talent that's rolling around in these games. We're going to get to see Giannis, Jokic, Luka. I don't 
think Joel Embiid's playing. I did remember reading something about him applying for a French visa or passport. So maybe, but regardless, there's going to be plenty of star power in this Eurobasket tournament. And it got me thinking, I wonder if we had a match, just one game, maybe a series, but the whole premise of the article was one game where we got the best players from the planet outside of USA to take on the best players who hail from USA. What would that game look like? And I don't want to give away all the article. I went through how I would build the roster, who's in the starting five, who's on the bench, who just misses the cut. And the overwhelming take is that Team USA has a lot of depth. They've got a lot of scorers and a lot of talented guards and wings, whereas Team World has a huge amount of size and maybe the best players in such a game. So you've got Jokic, you've got Giannis, you've got Joel Embiid. You could even throw Rudy Gobert into there as a dominant big. You've got Luca, who is a traditional point guard, but he's, you know, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so they've got a lot of size, which could give Team USA a lot of trouble. However, Team USA could roll out Jason Tatum, Kawhi, LeBron, Kevin Durant, uh, Devin Booker, James Harden, all of those dudes on their wings, which I don't think Team World would be able to stop. And I think that at the end of the day, because they do bat a bit deeper, you know, just to tease it, uh, I had blokes like Paul George, Jalen Brown and Jimmy Butler missing the cut. And it was bloody tough to try and make the last couple of tweaks and changes on the roster. Trey Young as well, because I gave uh, Jar Morant the nod after his ripper sophomore season. So sophomore, third year, regardless. Uh, I think Team USA wins. They've obviously got more talent. But Team World is quickly coming, and there's a lot of young talent out there. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, obviously, is touted to be the top prospect in the 2023 NBA draft. And, you know, Giannis, Jokic, and Joel Embiid have combined to finish first or second in the last four MVP counts. Luka Doncic could challenge for his first MVP this year. So it's an interesting experiment. Now that I've thrown it out there, I may just revisit it in a couple of years' time and see exactly what a Team World versus Team USA matchup would look like. Done and dusted. Another podcast in the books. Good luck to all the fantasy coaches listening to this for your grand finals. Uh, if you're not playing for anything, kind of like I am, have some fun with your trades. Bring in Dave Mundy if you're a massive Frio fan and this is the last time you can have him. Do the same with Robbie Gray. Captain him for all I care. This whole game is meant to be about fun. So make sure you have some fun to end the fantasy season. But like I said, good luck to those who are playing for something of note. Uh, I'll be back to review it all on Monday and then next Wednesday with JLo, we'll probably hand out some fantasy awards. Make sure you check out that Team USA versus Team World article. It'll be going up Saturday morning. So you can peruse that as you eat your breakfast on the, to kickstart your weekend. Uh, round 23 of footy, huge slate. I think I'm tipping Carlton over the pies. And I think, what other games of note are there? I think we get a Brisbane win tonight over Melbourne. And I think... Oh, well, if Carlton win, it kind of makes the rest of the round 23 games well, not irrelevant, but irrelevant. Uh, and I think Port Adelaide win the showdown pretty comprehensively as well. There's a the last little tip. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Have a ripper weekend. I'll catch you next time.